Welcome back to the NBA Recap Show on the Mojo Sports Network. We're a panel of NBA quote-unquote experts who chat weekly about the most interesting developing stories, stats, and trends in basketball. Our starting point guard, we've got the main man from Shepard and dishing up dimes, Jack Brophy from Sports Confidential. At the two spot, the man from Melbourne, our fantasy team fanatic, Julian Balthasar. At the other two spot, we got Perth's mini basketball encyclopedia, the all-knowing Yuri Bilsic. And our third shooting guard, I once said he looked like Jamal Murray, he's a prolific writer and a Celtics homer, it's Mr. Tom Dev. And me, I'm the only big on the roster, but these guys make it easy for me. I'm your host, Alexander J from the daily basketball show, B-Ball Bites. Sit back and enjoy today's show, and don't forget to rate our podcast wherever you're listening. Let's go. Hey Jack, Yuri, Tom, how are ya? I'm quite good considering you just compared me to Jamal, Jamal Murray, so I'm quite, quite flattered, actually. Tom, striking resemblance after two and a half months of doing this, a little bit like Jamal Murray. We'll start with you, Tom. Uh, look, a bit of a downer week for news in the NBA. It always happens this week, just after the NBA finals, a bit of consolidation. Everyone takes a little bit of a break, but we had some big news stories, um, and I want to stick with you. What was your most important news story for the week? Well, it's a bit up in the air. No one was 100% sure how true it is, but uh, apparently Zion could potentially be being shopped around. Uh, no one was quite could quite confirm it, but there were some sources saying that he was available, then others saying he wasn't. Apparently, the Pelicans really like Scoot Henderson and want to get up uh, in the tra- in the draft for him. Um, I, I don't know how true it is. Personally, I don't think they should give up on Zion just yet. Um I mean, he was an all-star starter last season, which is kind of crazy to think. Um, I mean, I don't think he, don't think he played after the all-star weekend. Um, but when he's on the floor, he's unstoppable offensively. He's a great defender. I would personally like him on my team. I mean, I didn't even bother looking at his stats because there's no point because he just hasn't played enough games. Um, obviously, he's had all that off-court drama in the last week or so on Twitter, which uh, anyone interested can search that one up, that's for sure. Um, but I don't know, if you guys are the Pelicans, would any of you guys actually consider trading him? Uh, we'll no, start. Why? We'll go ahead. I wanted to hear what Jack said. Uh, you said something a couple of weeks ago about the Pelicans. Go ahead and we'll go to Yuri as well. Sorry, mate. I think it would be the worst move in the Pelicans' history if they got rid of Zion. They have spent so long with the build-up for it. The city loves him for what he is. Yes, he's been injury-prone, but if he goes to the Charlotte Hornets and teams up with Lamelo Ball there, not only will Michael Jordan regret selling the Hornets from there on out, <laughs> I think the Pelicans will be filthy with themselves. I think it's just... A terrible move, I think. Besides Jonas Valanciunas, um, is Larry Nance Jr. there as well? From the top of my head, besides them, really, like you, you need that other big man. I know he plays like the sort of point uh, power forward role, but he can't leave. Yuri, no, I totally agree too, and they should keep him. He, yes, the injury prone wise, he's only played what one hundred fourteen out of three hundred eight games, but it's more than that, Alex. Though I think the pairing with him and Valanciunas in the front court. That was a major difference for the team's rebounding. I think we saw right from the bat early in the season that their offensive rebounding prowess hurt teams on the glass. And I think it was that opening game against the Brooklyn Nets where both of them just had a field day. And it really transcended the Pelicans' tremendous start to the season, right? They were third in the West. They were about 23-12. and 12 And he strains his hamstring against Philadelphia in the January 2nd game. And... Unfortunately, the Pelican season goes downhill from there. But we also have to remember, too, Brandon Ingram's toe, toe aggravation injury as well, which kept him out for exactly two months. We couldn't see too much of the Ingram-Williamson combination mm. during that period of time. So it was way too early for the Pelicans to 
kick the coop out of the bucket and trade him. And yes, he's only 23 years old, too, Alex. That's the other thing. It's not as though he's 33 on the decline of his career. We may not get something for him and whatever. But to look at the group that they've got there, Alex, as well, CJ McCullum, Ingram, Williamson, Valentunas, off the bench, Trey Murphy. You have Herb Jones as the other starter too. That team, when healthy, as we saw last season, they can really hit the stratosphere and perhaps potentially go deep into the playoffs if they do make it there next season, although they did get into the playing tournament. So I would not be losing hope anyway. The Pelicans completely just letting Williamson go after, yes, recently what's happened the last week and whatever, mm. but his the basketball side of things as well, they need that bully ball guy at 6'11 and 280, 285 pounds to really hit teams hard. And I think that's what they missed quite a fair bit, fair bit too. Yes, they had the luxury of going putting Brandon Ingram at power forward at the best of times in terms of the small ball. But for a longer duration and considering the way the West is shaped in terms of its big men on the rebounding side of things, yes, you've got to have Zion there for that. It does make me think maybe the Pelicans are either they know something the the public doesn't or they're really over internally how this is working for them. To consider getting rid of Zion or at least trying to get an asset of somewhat equal value back must be pretty major for them. Maybe they saw how they went with Ingram at the four and he did play defensively at the five in brief periods last year. Maybe they think we've got a squad we want to try and push it over the edge. Um, Super interesting news. I think I'm with all of you. You don't trade him, but... um, very, very interesting. Jack, we'll go back to you for your most interesting story of the week. Well, it's like one of my favourite times of the year. It's the same in sort of any sport where it's sort of off-season. You come up with the trades in your head. You boys were just talking about that. You were looking at what sort of contracts can work and you sort of become a bit of a GM yourself. So I've looked up and seen from the free agent's point of view that Seth Curry is a free agent. Um, and there's big talks that they want to match him up with Steph Curry at the Warriors. Um, and I think that's fantastic. And it passes the eye test in terms of that they need a little bit more depth on their team. I don't think that some of the players that they've got there have been healthy enough throughout their run. But also within that, I think if they bring in Seth Curry, they've got to get rid of Jordan Poole because they're both sort of shooters in a way. Um, Jordan Poole likes to just shoot the ball sort of like Porter Jr. does to a point where he just doesn't pass the ball off. So I, I think if they bring in Seth, I think that's a great addition. And they can also get something for getting rid of Jordan Poole. And um, I was going to pose the question to you guys, where should Jordan Poole go if he does leave the Warriors? So, Alex, what about you? We'll start with you. I wasn't even prepared. I'm looking up how much Seth Curry earns at the moment. I think he's got a cap hit of 16 mil for next year. So off the top of my head, it's not close enough to get in a trade with Poole. Um, Tom or Yuri, you want to have a go? And I'll plug away at the trade machine in the background. Well, that's a tough one, actually. There was a rumoured one earlier... Oh, maybe not rumoured in a way, but maybe the Nets potentially in terms of shooting-wise because they sort of have lost maybe a little bit in terms of, well, losing Durant, of course, and playing Joe Harris sporadically during the season too, and Paddy Mills was barely played at the best of times. Feels though Nets do need that other outside shooter as well to complement what they've already got. And we see, of course, Mikhail Bridges' three-point shooting is. He's always been a consistent three-point shooter, though. But just to add a bit more of that, I think, would work for them. Made a mistake. Seth Curry's a free agent. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. He's a free agent. <laughs> so he will go across. Um, I think that's a really good point as well. You're, the team that I was thinking of while I give Tom and Alex time to think of one is 
Um, it's a bit left field. We're probably going to be talking about them later on in terms of the draft, but the Indiana Pacers. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. They've got Tyrese Halliburton there, who obviously runs the one from there. Buddy Heel can be a bit of a streaky shooter as well. But having both of them on the court at the same time with Miles Turner in there, it just adds a different element to the team. And I, I, I just think that'd be a fantastic trade in general. But yeah, keen to hear you guys. I love that. Uh, spoiler for our Indiana Pacers segment coming up. I spoke to the one person I know who is a Pacers fan and they're <laughs> desperate to get off Buddy Heald um, to try and get... They, they want to get a shooting for... Uh, excuse me, a, a small forward back. But I think Seth Curry is it, not replacement value, but maybe that's the start of a trade with... Um, I mean, Cam Johnson also, um, free agent from the Nets. So maybe you can uh, figure out something there. Um, I'm going to keep working on that in the background. So Tom and Yuri, go ahead. Well, personally, if I'm Seth Curry, I'm going back to Philly. I think that's the best he's looked in his whole entire career with uh, Embiid. They're going to want shooters. They're always going to need shooters with Embiid around him. Who knows what's going to happen with Harden? But either way, I think that's where Seth looked best. And the only reason Seth was traded was because the Nets wanted a little bit more for James Harden in that uh, Simmons-Harden trade. So if I'm him, that's where I'm going, personally. Absolutely love it. What are the other trades that we uh, have that we can sort of talk about or the big news that sort of Alex was talking about? I think Bradley Bills, in terms of his contract as well, Jack and the new Wizards management have been given full control over what they can do now with Bradley Bill. And the recent news that's come about is that they're looking to ship him in a way and looking to trade him to another team. So that has been that's a highly intriguing story because he recently signed that five-year $251 million deal last summer, to, which basically inked him as a wizard for life. And now they're looking to ship him and try and get more younger assets. So there are a couple of teams that have been linked to him as well. And Mime is one of them. The Bucks is the other one. And this is strangely enough, just scouting through on YouTube, the Phoenix Suns. Are the other ones, which I think doesn't make much sense. Well, the, funny th- the funny thing is about that $251 million contract. It's the first NBA player to sign that says a no-trade uh, release clause in it. And so he, Seth, oh, sorry, not Seth, I was just talking about him. Bradley <laughs> Beal, within that, he has basically all the rights around his trading to where he goes, and there's a few other bits and bobs that go with it. But I think it's crazy that he's like the first player to get that contract. I don't think he's worthy of it personally, but... That's um, why they got rid of the GM in, in Washington. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know where he'll end up myself. I think that he potentially will end up at the Heat, but there's also talk about Lillard going there as well. So I think we'll get to there in a second. I've got a trade, and you tell me who says no, guys. Uh, so the Brooklyn Nets sign and trade Seth Curry and Cam Johnson to the Indiana Pacers for Buddy Heald. Uh, the Pacers have the seventh pick as well, but I think that's a bit of an overpay. Um, immediate thoughts there. Is there something we can work around there? Silence. That's how you know it's a shit <laughs> trade. <laughs> Pacers take that deal in a heartbeat, but whether or not it had actually happened, it would have to involve a second round pick or something in return, I would have thought. Mm. Okay, we'll move on. Okay, uh, a couple other news stories that happened this week. Uh, ja Morant given that 25-game suspension for that misconduct that popped up again. We won't say on that very long. And uh, Michael Jordan has officially sold his, sold his share in the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I think I saw a valuation this morning at $1.7 billion. So shout out to Jordan. Uh, the GOAT is not a great uh, president of basketball operations or an owner, uh, but he's getting that back. All right, we're going to move on to our off-season planning. We've got four teams we're going to talk about today. The Houston Rockets, the Orlando Magic, the Indiana Pacers, and finally 
Bradley Beal's Washington Wizards. I think we're going to start with Houston and I'll give you guys the lay of the land and you tell me what they should do. If we've got trade ideas, how we're feeling. Uh, for the Houston Rockets, they have a lot of money free um, this offseason. They have $68 million committed, which if it's not the lowest in the league, it's the second lowest, I believe. Um, they have 9.3 committed for Jabari Smith Jr., 6.5 for Ja'Shawn Tate. Tari Eason's getting 3.5, while Kevin Porter Jr. is getting the bulk of that money at 18 mil. Um, strangely enough, they're still paying about $7 million for John Wall. He's still on the books. They've got team options. Most of these have been picked up for Jalen Green, Alperen Sangoon, Usman Garuba, and Josh Christopher. So they have almost $65, $70 million free, so two max spots. Anybody want to start with what do you think the Houston Rockets should do? Yuri, do you want to pick the uh, low-hanging fruit in? (laughs) Yes, I was actually looking at Trade Finder yesterday, Alex, and on Dylan Brooks's status at the moment with the Memphis Grizzlies still unknown at this stage, I feel as though... They should go after him because this is the issue that the Rockets had last season in terms of a defensive primitive player, and they were just completely sliced, absolutely Swiss cheese D. They were arguably the third worst defensive team. They conceded, I think, about 118 points per game, and that was a constant liability all season long. The, the trade that did put, and it's only one player part of this trade, that's trading Kevin Porter Jr. for him. I don't know if that's going to work or not, whether Houston does – decide to go ahead because now Ime Doka's the new coach. He's going to have his plans. He's going to have his say on which players should come to Houston because they can't keep in terms of this whole rebuild at the moment, Alex, keep going for as long as they can because in terms of the improve, in terms of improvement and that, it's been sort of minimal in a way and they haven't experienced this since what? the late, probably early 2000s until they acquired Yao Ming first over on 2002. So I feel so they probably need to bite the bullets and make some trades in the way. We don't, and, of course, we don't know exactly James Harden's situation too, whether he does return back to Houston for stint 2.0. So I feel like in that way they should go after Dylan Brooks in terms of that primitive defender and try and shore up that because it will at least give them a bit more of a, Hard-nosed edge. And we've seen, of course, what he's done at Memphis, right? He doesn't back down from anybody. Tom, Jack, different thoughts? I personally kind of disagree with that. I mean, just on, quickly on the James Harden front, I, I don't understand why they'd want him. I mean, sure, he gives you veteran experience. He's not worth a max contract. Uh, is 35 minutes a night of James Harden just dribbling the ball actually like worth it? Is he going to make you a playoff contender? No. And then... Having watched Adoka at the Celtics uh, last season, his main focus is defense. It's not James Harden at all. So I don't understand why you do that. But in terms of building for the future, I'd, like yes, this rebuild has taken a while and it's been a bit stagnant. But look, they've got Jalen Green. He averaged 22.1 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, 3.7 assists on 41.6% um, from the field, 33.8% from three. Jabari Smith Jr. was pretty handy. He was pick three in the 2022 draft. I mean, Shen Goon showed some signs. Kevin Porter Jr. showed some signs. If you look at their assets, though, they have pick four and 20 in the draft this year. They got Brooklyn's uh, 2024 round one pick. 2025, they have their own pick in the first round. They also have uh, OKC or Brooklyn's pick. Um, In 2026, they also have Brooklyn's first round pick. And in 2027, they also have Brooklyn's first round pick. So they have assets to build. And... I think going forward, they should just continue to build in some youth, develop like a few of their younger guys. And then when the time is right, they should bundle up those assets that they have. And, you know, free agents don't typically go to Houston. So what they should do is basically do what they did with Harden. They've got the blueprint. Uh, Originally, 
and bundle up these assets. Go for that mid-range sort of star who has potential to be a superstar, develop them, make them the face of the franchise, and then all of a sudden they can become that MVP caliber kind of guy. Yuri, you've got something to say? Yeah, there are also the other issue as well, Houston, for these last couple of seasons, Alex, as well. There's so much isolation offense with them. There was a lot of passing. They were ranked like right near the bottom in terms of assists, and that was a constant theme issue last season and the season before that. And I think when either Jalen Green or Kevin Porter Jr. Just had the ball in their hands, they wouldn't pass it up frequently enough, often, even though I think – Kevin Porter averaged about, I think it was 5.8 assists and Jalen Green averaged about four. But sometimes those numbers do sort of lie a little bit in the way in terms of the Houston Rockets offense last season. So I don't know in terms of that. But yeah, as Tom said, it's similar to what I think Houston had a decade ago when they got James Harden from OKC in the summer of 2012. This was arguably one of the final hours of free agency pretty much. And they built around a young 23-year-old hard at that time. They had Chandler Parsons, Amir Ashik, and Jeremy Lindales on that team too. So, yeah, maybe in that route they keep going in that direction too. So I guess who knows where from there, but that's probably a similar case. Jack, uh, what are your thoughts on the Houston Rockets? Just quickly on my mind, I've been trying to plug around. I, I want to blow the Chicago Bulls up every time I'm trying to find a, a landing spot for Zach Levine, and it's just not possible because they don't have the contract space. Um, Jack, thoughts on the Rockets? I'll keep it brief. I agree with what Tom said. Build the development, get it right. But if you can't and you think that you can pull the trigger now, I'd get Pascal Siakam in with that mm. contract. Perfect player to fit that roster of what they got. He'll help Shengun on the defensive end. He'll help him offensively as well. He's going to take the better opponent. Really going to explode in the team. They've got the money there to do so. That's what I would do, just whether or not they could pull it off. Also depends how they value the fourth pick in the draft. I think Houston are number four this year. Um... Everyone seems consensus the top three are really good quality and then four, five, six, maybe we can't really tell with the Thompson twins. Uh, Spoiler alert, we might talk about the draft another day. Uh, Last thoughts on the Rockets before we move on to Orlando, anybody? I'm getting those. All right, so the Orlando Magic, a really interesting team for me because um, they've been improving and showed promise, but I can't really think about off the top of my head and in my research what they need to succeed moving forward. Um, They have $106 million committed for next year with 17.4 of those to Jonathan Isaac, who I think if you're going to trade anybody, you look at that just for the contract stats. Marco Fultz, 17 mil, played really well at the back stretch of last year. Wendell Carter Jr., 13. Gary Harris, 13. Paolo Bencaro, an 11. Uh, and Bol Bol and Caleb Houston on about 2 mil each. They've got team options for Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner, 12 million between the two of them. Cole Anthony, Chumaro Kiki, Michael Corder Williams. They're all not a lot of big contract money. They do have picks 6 and 11, so maybe you think they might be able to trade up with a package that somebody might find. For example, the Houston Rockets. Um, I have no trades for this team because I can't figure out what I want them to do. I tried to get Jonathan Isaac off in into Chicago because I want Zach Levine to go somewhere. Um, Yuri, we'll start with you. Uh, Orlando Magic, what the hell? I think first they need to re-sign Franz Wagner to a long-term mm-hmm. contract extension. That's a must, seriously. Second season, his numbers went up again, 18.6 points and 5.1 rebounds and I think about 4.3 assists or something like that. Shot the ball extremely well at 48.5% and from three-point territory, shot it extremely well, but I think it was about 36 37% from deep. And his overall playmaking, and I think with the Magic as well, Alex, there's something reminiscent in a way to how the Milwaukee Bucks restructured their roster 
during the early 2010s, and especially when Coach Jason Kidd took over in terms of the Land of the Trees lineup when they acquired Michael Carter-Williams from the Philadelphia 76ers. Of course, they had Giannis there, Chris Middleton, they had John Henson there. So it was a big lineup in the way that the Bucks had, and this is similar to what the Orlando Magic are now doing, right? They have Jalen Suggs, who's what six foot four, six five. Yeah, Franz Wagner, the small forward spot, and he's what six nine, six ten. They have Wendell Carter Jr. There, Paolo Banquero. Both, I think Wendell Carter's about six eleven. Banquero is about six ten. And in the point guard, well, Markel Fultz, right? This back half of last season was tremendous after those number of shoulder laps, subluxation injuries. So, I think what they need to Alex, and this is something that was really well detailed. Second, second spec outlined in terms of their shot blocking. That's what they need to help Wendell Carter Jr. out and now something that they'll a little bit light on in a way. They only averaged about 4.7 blocks last season, which ranked them in the middle tier of all of the 30 NBA teams. There is a guy from Duke named Derek Lively who could well be on their radar, seven foot one and watched a few of his highlights. And he's an absolutely tremendous shot blocker, tremendous weak side help defender, and I feel like that's what they need, Orlando. Whereabouts is he projected in the draft? Just help me a bit. Yeah, so I think he's projected around top 15, roughly. Okay, so they could pick him with 11? 11 might be available? Yeah, yeah, if if they decide to go that route, which I think they should in terms of having more rim protection because I think everywhere else they got significantly better after that 5 and 20 start to last season. And their trajectory, right, from where they were in December all the way through to the end of the regular season. They've got Franz Wagner, we've mentioned. He can he can create. He can take the pressure off Markel Fultz. They've got Cole Anthony. Well, we don't know exactly whether he's going to be starting next season, coming off the bench. I think that's the real sort of assets in the way that Orlando have that they've been building for these last couple of seasons. And right to get those, what, a future first round, and I think there was another future first round pick as part of that Nikola Vucevic trade too, and they got Wendell Carter Jr. as part of that package deal. So, no, they're going along nicely, Alex, and for Orlando Magic fans, it has been oh, pretty much a mire in the dire, right, since Dwight <laughs> Howard left at the end of what, the summer of 2012. But, no, their trajectory is excellent, and I feel as though Derek Lively would be the right pick for them. Tom, uh, what do you think they should do in the offseason? I think, look, I think they need to keep building around Bankero and Franz Wagner. I think they're, they're going to be a legitimate players for a long, long time. Um, I, look, I think they're one year away from potentially trading for a star to actually complete this roster. They have their own first round pick for until 2027. Plus, they got one more round, one pick from Denver in 2025. Probably won't be anything too serious, but you never know. Um, and look, I think they should look to get a point guard in. I mean, look, Fred Van Vliet's a free agent. I don't know if you really want to try and max him out. I don't think Fred Van Vliet would actually want to go to Orlando anyway. Um, DeJounte Murray, free agent in uh, not this year, but the year after. That could be one interesting uh, player for them. Great defensive player, can set off set up your offense. Um, and you could easily max him out and might be able to beat out some of the other teams. Um, I think they should look to get shooting around Bancaro. His three-point shooting this season was uh, 29.8%. And I reckon, you know, Yuta Wantanabe from the Nets, yeah, he okay. was pretty solid next to Durant or even Seth Curry. Like we were talking at the top, he, this might be a great landing spot for him. Um, and look, coming down the line, if you look at some possible free agent targets, I mean, you've got Jalen Brown and Jonte Murray next season. A left-fielded one, 
But Ben Simmons in 2025, if, if you could get him on a nothing contract, I, I'm all out on Ben Simmons, but on a nothing contract, if he's like your 10th man, he might be able to resurrect his career in Orlando. Who knows? Then 2026, Jaron Fox, um, Jaron Jackson Jr., Mikel Bridges, they could be solid additions if they want to go to Orlando. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is a little bit of a, a tax implication, not NBA tax, but literal salary tax implication of Orlando where it is a bit more friendly. So some players might be a little bit more interested to uh, get a bigger deal there opposed to some of the other places. Yeah, that Florida state tax, definitely a thing. Jack, any uh, final thoughts on Orlando? I've tinkered around with a trade that, as you've been speaking, Tom, uh, I think hits on a few things, but we'll let Jack go first. Well, I think, again, I feel like Tom's been reading my notes or something because I had John J. Murray um, down for the next line but I completely agree right now I would literally sit on my hands I might get a couple of shooters a couple of depth players but they are building and building and we've seen it in the second half of the year like they're, they're seriously coming like Cole Anthony would be starting in a lot of the other bottom teams but they've persisted to have him coming off the bench so I really like what they're doing I think Michael Fultz is turning his career around so for me sit on your hands um, use your drafts and then maybe go for the max play when it counts Okay, so I've been tinkering around in the trade machine for whatever reason. I couldn't find a trade up until we started the show today. Um, I found a trade where you keep Markel Fultz, you keep Wendell Carter Jr., you keep Bancaro, Suggs, Wagner, and Cole Anthony. So you keep that core that was starting to be really impressive at the end of the year, but you do hit on shooting. Um, look, this might be a bit of a theme of me pinching Zach Levine from the Bulls because I really want the Bulls to blow it up. I have the Orlando Magic getting Zach Levine for Jonathan Isaac, Gary Harris, Chuma Okiki, Bol Bol, and the sixth pick this year. Is that an overpay? Because I feel like that's a good reciprocal deal for Chicago if they are going to blow it up. You get pick number six. You get a bunch of young guys who may expire soon or show something like Bol Bol. You get to reset and get off Zach Levine's $37 million contract. I don't think that's an overpay at all. I think that literally would probably fit a need that they have and the other role players that they've got in that team aren't really going to become stars. So I think that would be smart from the Magic to do so. I actually think it'd be – I actually don't know if the Bulls would do it because that would mean that they're completely blowing up the franchise, really. Yeah, they should. I don't know if they're going to make that decision. Yuri, you looked like you had a bit of a painful thought. I think maybe in terms of that package trade for Zach Levine going to Orlando, Alex, it would – work for the Bulls in terms of their bench production because that was pretty limited during this past season and I think that's where so much of the reliance on Levine, on DeRozan, on Vucevic to play 35 plus minutes a night and score heavily even though, which was more strangely enough, they were one of the worst offensive teams which is Mm. really coincidental, right? But I think, don't you think in a way though, Chicago would want more than that for Zach Levine and what he's done. I'm kind of going off. They want to blow it up. In my mind, it's like part of a three-trade thing where they don't re-sign Vucevic. They uh, send DeRozan to a contender, like Portland, for the third pick, and they blow everything up this offseason. Again, they probably won't do it, but that's what I would be doing if I'm Chicago. No more mm-hmm. thoughts on that. I'm, I'm glad that one was a little bit more well-received than my first trade idea for Houston. Um, no further thoughts on the Orlando Magic, so we'll move to the Indiana Pacers. Again, to set the table for you, they've got $95 million on the book for next year. Uh, they've got $21 million committed to Miles Turner. Buddy Heald's got 19 Daniel Tice at 9 TJ McConnell, 8.7. Uh, Matherin's only at $7 million. Jalen Smith at 5 Jordan Noir at 3 Andrew Nemhart at 2 uh, Tyrese Halliburton had a team option picked up for 5.8, and then they've got 
Chris Tawata, Aaron Naismith, and change. They do have five picks this year in the draft. They've got the 7th, the 26th, the 29th, the 33rd, and the 55th picks. They've got five picks if they want to do something with that. And as I was, excuse me, as I was saying earlier, my Indiana Pacers expert, shout out to Ben, uh, the poor bastard. He says, try and get Jeremy Grant if you can. Uh, start Matherin and trade Buddy Heald for a small forward. Maybe package some of those picks. Who wants to start first on the Indiana Pacers? Because I think it's a super interesting offseason for them as well. Yuri, go ahead. Yeah, actually, this is recent news, Alex, too, probably this past week in terms of what they will do with pick seven. They're looking to trade it right because mm. their president of basketball operations, Kevin Pritchard, has said for the last what, couple of seasons we've been developing these younger guys that have come through and we feel as though we need a small forward slash power forward. And Rick Carlisle said it at his, I think it was at the end of his press conference for season's end and he was talking about what they need. And they that's the real issue that I think they had last season as well when they had to play Jordan Nawara, they had to play Aaron Neesmith, that to play O'Shea Brissett, who's actually one of the better perimeter defenders on the wing. And I think that's where they got found out quite a bit. But I feel as though there is a couple of players that have been mentioned that could potentially be good, valuable acquisitions. One is OG Ananobi from the Toronto Raptors. And the other one is Jonathan Kaminga from Golden State. What do you make of that? That's interesting. They're both, you'd have to trade to get both of those guys. Um, I've got three small forwards I'll put out to you as available and and yourself, Tom or Jack can have a chat. Jeremy Grant, um, Cam Johnson from Brooklyn and Chris Middleton from the Bucks. That might be too much of a salary for them to bring back as well. Thoughts around those? Uh, I'm not 100% sure the Bucks would be willing to trade Chris Middleton out and not get much in return. Uh, from the Pacers itself. Here's, here's one small forward that I've, I've sort of thought of. What about Gordon Hayward? They they were reportedly interested. They were trying to get him in that free agency after he left the Celtics. And yes, injury history and everything. But look, a, a trade that I kind of did come up with was uh, Turner and Tice to the Hornets. And then you get Hayward in. And it's sort of a try before you buy. So you get one year of Gordon Hayward. And it's sort of like, do we like him? Do we not? And if he's injured the whole year, then you basically let him walk in free agency. If he's not, you like him, bring him in, keep him there for however long you want him, basically. Yuri, go ahead. I know you want to say Yeah, my, my issue, though, is that if they do decide to trade Turner, if that was a part of that package deal, it would leave them pretty thin in the front court. That's my yeah. only issue. Yeah. Tough one. Jack, any thoughts? Two players for me, straight off the top of my head, yes or no from all of years. Jordan Poole to come in to assist with Halliburton in the backcourt. Thoughts? Nah, not, not on, for me, not on that money. Who are you me. trading away? He fits yeah. their development plan. Who are you trading away? Because if you keep Buddy Heald, then you've got shooters everywhere, which is interesting. But if you trade Buddy Heald to Golden State, then I'm not sure I'd do that. I'd be Buddy Heald, plus you'd also trade picks as well, I would think. Yeah. And the other one who is a free agent, which I thought would be quite interesting, and obviously they've got a fair few picks as well in the lines of deep in there that will match with Turner. But having Vukovic come across from the Bulls, you spoke about blowing up the Bulls, potentially bringing in Vukovic and obviously getting rid of a couple of like Jalen Smith and the likes that come off the bench and just adding that bit of veteran experience to the team to help out. I like that, actually. You could still keep... Um... Uh, Miles Turner at the power forward position. I don't mind that. 
And that's all for me. <laughs> no, that, that would be a good one. Yeah. I'm just thinking through if there's any reason I wouldn't do that. Um, looking at those salary numbers, Daniel Tice would be your backup. So that's fine. Um, I don't see a problem with that. It, it depends what you pay for Vucevic. I think yeah. you still want 20 mil plus, which you could theoretically do if you're Indiana. They've got enough to do that. But yeah, it's interesting. I, I have a trade as well. I don't know if it's going to go over as well as that one, Jack. Uh, maybe Tom and Yuri can can judge. I send Buddy Heald. Um, I'm not sure if this is fair value. So you send Buddy Heald maybe a pick to the Mavericks for Tim Hardaway Jr. and Josh Green. I feel so that would help their shooting in terms of perimeter shooting out. The Mavs? Because, yeah, definitely in terms of that. But more in a six-man role, I'd have Buddy Avs have if he was to be traded to Dallas. I know the Mavs Mavs. are real keen on Josh Green too. I don't know if they'd give him up. I'm not really sure how I felt about that trade, but the numbers worked. I I don't think the Mavs would would give that up just for one year of Buddy Heald. Um, So you give him a pick as well. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, I think the underrated thing about Buddy Heald is he's 30 years old. It's not like he's young. For some reason, I keep thinking of him as like a 22-year-old, 23-year-old sniper sort of shooter. He's old, so like... I don't really see how much value he has as a trade asset. So, like, just quickly, I, I kind of came up with a Buddy Hill trade, which which it benefits my team, but we'll see what you think. Because, I mean, the Celtics obviously like their three-point shooting. So, the Celtics would receive Buddy Hill and Daniel Tice, who was, who's uh-huh. been a valuable part of that Celtics team for a few years. And they also would get back pick 26. And in return, they'd give up Peyton Pritchard, they'd sign and trade Grant Williams to the Pacers, and then Mike Muscala, and then just a couple of G League guys, basically, um, just to fill out the salary. Um, and then basically they just get off Buddy Heald expiring. They get off Tice's $9 million deal. And look, maybe Celtics would throw in a first-round pick in there somewhere, maybe. But I think, uh, honestly, I'm not sure what kind of assets you'd get for Buddy Heald on that expiring deal. But that that's one I sort of came up with. Classic. I like it for Boston, but I don't know if Indiana do that unless they want that space to offer max money to somebody. I'm trying to think what they might do as a secondary move. Any other thoughts, Yuri or Jack, on that one? Yeah, it's probably a bit hard in terms of what the Celtics get back in return. Oh no, sorry, Dallas. Indiana. In, yeah, Indiana. Sorry, that's the yeah, that's a bit of a tricky one actually. I can see him doing of- it to clear that cap space, Yuri, but I can't think of like a free agent they'd want to offer that money to, like James Harden or something. <laughs> Again, not a free agent. Well, not yet, but hmm. well. It, I, I, down in you know in the future years, this year I don't think there's any free agent that could really suit their needs. But in 2024, they could get Tobias Harris on a very cheap deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Siakam maybe, um, and then look, Haywood is going to be a free agent. So if they don't want to trade for him before that, they could just try and get him in the free agency market. Um, Dejounte Murray. I mean, I think honestly, every team we go through for this year, I'm basically going to say Dejounte Murray is a target because why wouldn't you want him if you get him on a good deal? Um, and then Jalen Brown as well. He, he's, I think he's also in the same sort of boat. If he doesn't pick up this max contract, he's probably going to be a free agency target target for everyone in 2024. Maybe we're overthinking it. Maybe they just offer Jeremy Grant a max just to have somebody in the lineup. He averages about 20 points a game, solidify the, the roster. At least they've got a solid team to build on then. Interesting. I think we've... Ex- what, what, Go ahead. Sorry. What, what about what about Aiden as well? What, what about Aiden? Because, I mean... The the, the the Pacers were interested in him in free agency. The Suns have basically said they're willing to trade him. Is it worth is it worth them trying to just turn you know, a quick trade I came up with was basically turn up pick twenty six and maybe a top five protected pick in twenty twenty four 
and you just get back eight. Is that worth their time or? Jack had a very animated response to this <laughs> this prompt. Um, I don't know if I'd do it. It's interesting. It is interesting. We've all you've left us speechless, Tom. <laughs> it's a probably a good jump uh, to move on to the Washington Wizards. I think we've exhausted our paces talk. Um, Washington Wizards, right? I feel like we might spend a lot of time on this because they have some really interesting parts that are in flux. Obviously, Bradley Beal, um, forty-six million dollars a year, escalating. So in a couple of years, it's sixty mil. It's a no trade clause. If he agrees to be traded, there's a fifteen percent kicker. I'm not sure he can waive that, and the fifteen percent kicker moves with him. So any team taking on Bradley Beal also has that fifteen percent hangover waiting in their future. Um, they have $146 million on the books for next year. So they're over the cap. Uh, Brad Beal, they've got Monte Morris at nine, DeLon Wright at eight, Johnny Davis at five, Daniel Gafford at 12, and the Aussie Xavier Cooks at 1.7. Kyle Kuzma has a player option of 13. You would think almost certainly he uh, turns that down. And Kristaps Porzingis has a player option at $36 million. Um, I can't tell if he'll turn that down or look for extra money. I would think extra money. Um, they've also got Denny Avdia and Corey Kispert, about 10 mil between the two of them. So they've got three quote-unquote stars in Washington, Bradley Beal, uh, Kyle Kuzma, and Kristaps Porzingis, who between the three of them make almost $100 million. But between the three of them, none of them could be there starting the 2023 regular season. What do we do, guys? They've got a brand-new GM in Washington. This is the guy who was with the Clippers and traded away Blake Griffin as soon as they said, we'll make you a Hall of Famer here, got rid of him. So this is a guy who can flick off guys if he needs to. Do you just blow everything up and reset your books or do you trade Bradley Beal for something? Uh, Jack, let's start with you. What the hell do you do if you're the Wizards? Well, you guys um, are over the caps and what people sort of know. So um, I've been coming up with some theories today and I've only just thought of this one then, so... Um, I just want to hear your thoughts on it. Bradley Beal traded to the New York Knicks to go along with Jalen Brunson in the backcourt. What are your thoughts on that? Obviously, there's got to be trades involved. There's got to be money that's going to be working out to do so. Yuri, what do you think? Yeah, they're going to have to give up RJ Barrett for that. I think that's fine. Yeah, that's that's what they'll definitely look at in terms of if they want to get Beal to New York and pairing with Brunson. So, And on top of that too, probably look for a couple of future first round picks as well to be if that was if the deal was to go down and bills to get well, to the big apple. I, I, I whipped up quite a few fake trades uh for Bradley Bill. And the one with the Knicks that I actually came up with is it doesn't include RJ Barrett. Um, yeah. and it's Toppin, quickly, Hardenstein, Fournier, and then picks. Um I, do I don't think if I was if you're, if you're the Wizards. No, if you're the Knicks, yeah. If I was the Knicks, yeah. I would do that in a heartbeat. Because it would take you from there to there like that. And obviously, like, it, it would just seriously put the team, like, on the map. And obviously, it, it, in some aspects, it's going to come down to what Beal wants to do because, like I said, he's got that no-trade clause within his deal as well. And, um, look, it's it's very far left-field reach because I think he's going to end up at the heat of the Suns. But, yeah, I just thought I'd throw one out there and you've obviously done your research on it. Who's going out on that one again, Tom, just for my benefit? So uh, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel yep. Quickly, um, Isaiah Hardenstein, Evan Fournier, and then whatever picks you can kind of work out. Okay, Yuri, go ahead. I feel as though the Heat probably would have more assets to acquire Bill. And now something I was doing yesterday as well in that trade finder in terms of what they'll get. And that would be Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, two future first-round picks, part of that trade. 
Yeah, but that, I that's. Yeah. I think the problem for there is, and sorry to interrupt, Yuri, is Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero have money coming to them for the next four or five years. So maybe the opportunity for the Wizards is you take a short-term loss and you get less in, but you can reset your books. Um, Tom, I think your next trade was better than the one I had. I had Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett, and Isaiah Hardenstein going out, just the three of them, um, so you can reset your books for Wizards. But I think yours is a bit better. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, well, like, uh, what I've got on my notes is I basically just called it the Beal problem because I actually, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds just trading because one, he's got that massive salary. Two, the new CBA implications with that second tax apron, it just makes it so hard. I mean, you look at his salary, $46.7 million next year, $50 million the year after, $53 the million year after that, and then $57 million player option. And then on top of that, he has a no trade clause, meaning he can't just deal into whoever gives you the best offer. Um, and he's 29 years old, so only a contender is really going to want him. It's not like he's you can 30 next week. Player. He's 30. Yeah, 30 next week. Yeah, he's, he's exactly. He's a genius. Yeah, exactly. His manager is, I want to look it up, oh. and I want, to, I want to try and get him to sponsor me because that is. Well, well it's interesting you bring up his uh, his his agent because I didn't I didn't know this until I saw it on Twitter this morning. But his agent is the son of the CEO of the Suns. Oh. So I wonder if there's a little. Uh, you know, Bradley Beal to the Suns. That's a good launching point for two separate Suns trades I've got here. Uh, you tell me what you would prefer. And both of these work in the trade machine uh, with some finagling. So Bradley Beal goes to the Phoenix Suns for DeAndre Ayton and Landry Shemmett plus a pick. Works. I don't know if, if the Wizards get enough back there. Or more interesting to me, Bradley Beal goes to the Suns for Chris Paul and Landry Shemmett. The Wizards can waive Chris Paul with that non-guaranteed money, so they get off about $48 million pretty quickly, uh, and then they can do whatever they want with Shamit. Problem being for Phoenix is then they have four max contracts, so their window is this year because they'll hit tax problems next year. Uh, what's more interesting there, guys? Well, if you get rid of if you get rid of Aiton, does that mean the Aussie man Jock Landau is going to be playing a heap of minutes? That's because- what I wanted, yeah. Because, like, unless Biombo is going to be playing the minutes, who else is going to be doing it? Like I said, if they've got four max contracts, you're not going to be pulling in anyone like Brook Lopez, who's a free agent. He took a minimum three years ago with the Lakers. I'm just saying if he wants to chase a ring. Yeah, very true. But I think he'll stay true to the Bucks. Yuri? Well, Phoenix needs more wing perimeter defenders, though, Alex. they That's the issue. And we spoke about this well, a couple of episodes ago when Phoenix were eliminated by Denver in the conference semifinals. That's where the issues underlie, especially when they traded away Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges for Kevin Durant, who are arguably two of their best perimeter defenders. So I feel like that's what they need to look at more when free agency hits around, Alex, because that's first things first. And I think, again, if they do go after Bill and then having, as you mentioned, four guys on max deals – that gets really squeezy on the salary cap. Tom, thoughts on those Suns trades? Well, Chris Haynes, I don't know if any of you guys saw this, but Chris Haynes reported early this morning that Paul and Shamit would actually be enough to get uh, Bill. And because the Wizards' attitude at the moment is basically let's just blow this whole entire thing up and just get rid of everything for and get off the salaries and basically just start the tanking for the next five years pretty much. I For the Suns, I don't even know if I like that. Uh I saw a great tweet today. Um, I can't remember who it was, but they said, you know, sure, if they have Beal, Durant, and Booker, who's going to stop the Suns? But who are the Suns going to stop? I mean, that that's no defense really there. I mean, sure, Durant and Booker can tighten it up in the postseason. But it's not great. And 
I, I don't know where I rank Beal as a player, if I'm being uh, honest. I mean, over the last three seasons, Beal has shot 34% on threes, which he ranks 100 out of 109 players with at least 800 attempts. I, I just... Personally, I'm not rushing to get on that salary and rushing to bring in a guy like Bradley Beal into the team. And I, obviously, him and Tatum are good friends from St. Louis. But as a Celtics fan, I do not want Beal on my team at all with that salary. If, if his salary is half that, I'd love him. But $50 million for a guy who is a borderline all-star at the moment, I, I'm not interested personally. Back to you, Yuri. I think there was something mentioned in commentary when the Wizards were playing the Knicks, Alex, back in 2018. And Mike Breen pointed out about Bradley Beal's defense and how he got, well, a little bit better as a perimeter defender. And although that's not really been his strong suit during his career, I think, yeah, again, I think we've already touched upon Phoenix's issues, what they need as well. And I think the other one, which actually did come out in an article, I think it was a couple of days ago, with potentially Milwaukee being a team, the Bucks going after him. What do you make of that? So what, is that a don't re-sign Chris Middleton situation? Yeah, and pretty much involves Middleton. Um, I don't I think... The, yeah, I it's interesting. That if I was the Bucks, I don't think... But yeah, that's just my opinion. But while you're speaking of the Wizards getting rid of their cap space, that only means one thing, and that means Kyle Kuzma is going to the Detroit Pistons. And <laughs> he's going to fit perfectly in that position at small forward. You can give him that max money. He can wear that cold winter fashion stuff. It'd be great. Yeah, it's uh, the stars of a line. So I reckon that would be unreal. But yeah, it's interesting if the Wizards actually do blow it up because you've still got some core pieces there. You've still got poor singers there. What, does, do, do they all hang around? What, what's the plan? I was just well, now trying to work on something. Tom, I'll let you speak in a second. If you can send Bradley Beal and Christos Porzingis to the Suns for Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. Well, Jack, the Jack's blown thing, his mind. <laughs> that, would be, that would blow up the internet if that happened, I reckon. <laughs> Sorry, Tom, you've been trying to speak for like three seconds now. Go ahead. Well, well, the interesting thing is, so it's come out during the week that Porzingis looks like he's going to opt in to that uh, option that he's got, which is $36 million. Um, and I think that came out today. I'm not sure how reliable the source is, but I did see it on Twitter. And it is, a, it is an actual reporter. I can't remember his name. But they did say the Blazers have discussed trading the number three pick for Porzingis, which that, yeah. if you're the Wizards, I, I'm sorry, you basically pack Porzingis' bags and send him to the airport if you can get number three for him. I, that's insane. But you've got to get rid of him. I, 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 I don't know if you guys are big Bill Simmons fans, but I was listening to his podcast uh, the other day and he had his friend Joe House on, who's a Wizards fan, and he's just like, let's just get everyone out. And I don't care if we don't win over 10 games in the next five years. Let's just tank. And it, he's just like, it's stupid to do this the year after a generational talent was in the draft. Like, why would we Why were we not doing this last offseason? And why did we sign Bill to this contract? But they, they were dumb. They missed it. But I, I think that's the deal for... Wizards now. I mean, that's the only way I can see them becoming relevant is if they draft in a nice young guy. So speaking on that Portland trade, I've got three trades I want to throw in by you, but we'll stick with this one for Portland. How about Bradley Beal to Portland for number three, Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson? Wizards get three and some young guys back. I think Anthony Simons has shown enough. Portland get Beal. They'd be very small in that backcourt, um, but maybe they lean into something there. 
That'd be, be reminiscent. They would be able to defend a lamppost because <laughs> him and Lillard, they'd just be shooting it up. I really like it. would be so enjoyable to watch. It would be unreal. That'd be one of my favourite teams to go and watch, but I don't think that Beal is the asset that they need. It's like just basically getting another Anthony Simons with a little bit extra on top of it. Yuri? That'd be reminiscent of with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and yeah. the whole talk, right? And them being super undersized guards in the wild, especially McCullum being an undersized shooting guard and teams just picking them apart. So, yeah, I think for the Wizards, probably getting to see a little woodwork, I think, for them to try and at least build one of those young pieces around and then just go from there. And I think, as Tom mentioned too, if the Wizards do decide to blow it up and Kyle Kuzma and Chris Porzingis are out the doors of DC and in terms of basically what they go through in terms of what Philadelphia went through for those, what, five, six years in the process method of winning only, what, 10 games in 2015-16 to that extent. I've got a Wizards Suns trade that works via the trade machine. You can tell me if this is ridiculous. It's what we just talked about. It's Bradley Beal and Chris Stapps Porzingis for DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, Cam Payne, and Tory Craig. Who does? Who says no? Do the Wizards say no? How could the Suns afford that, though? Uh, it is exactly... They're actually saving $2 million a year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think they absolutely love to do it at the Suns. They probably lose a bit of depth in a way, even though they gain incredible amounts on the court for the starting five. But, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that. Just from it is worth notice. Uh, notice, excuse me. It's worth noting that that Porzingis is only one year contract. Yuri, I don't know if that's what you were going to mention. Yeah, that is issue in terms of if he wants that larger deal, and then Phoenix having to negotiate to re-sign him to a bigger deal. That's my only problem. Maybe with that's going ahead. Some three D chess with the CBA stuff coming on. They go, yeah, All right, we'll go absolutely. one year. We'll push the money, and then. Anyway, and the last trade um, I've got is for the Miami Heat. We've got Tyler Hero, Nikola Jovic, the 18th pick this year, uh, Victor Oladipo, and Duncan Robinson for Bradley Beal. Um, that's what works in the trade machine. Any thoughts? Do you want to see him go to the Heat? I feel like Bradley Beal would be all right in the Heat. Yeah, it feels like they need another shot creator too and another facilitator, Alex, because do you remember back in 17-18, right, when Bradley Beal basically broke out into that all-star when John Wall did his knee and had to undergo surgery, miss exactly two months of basketball action, that Bradley Bill became the team's basically main facilitator in a way. And his game just completely rose, what, 15 different levels. And everyone saw Bradley Bill for who he is in terms of being that all-star player that can at least carry a team through, what, the remaining 41 games that regular season, albeit they lost to Toronto in the first round, at least gave some sort of sign that, in terms of his facilitator, he can be a reliable ball distributor. Because I think we saw that in parts during his first, I think, three, four seasons in the league. And what Miami needs as well, because Jimmy Butler's a solid facilitator, but they need that other additional passer to really facilitate the offense and try and free up Jimmy too, because we saw during the finals as well that when he did get clamped down. And yes, of course, when Max Struess was hitting his shots at times, although that didn't happen in these NBA finals, just having Bradley Bill there who can pull up for his, with his sweet step-back mid-range jumper, his three-point shot, yes, it did drastically decline this past season, but he's always been a reliable jump shot though, Alex, and I feel that's what Miami needs additionally. Jack, where do you want to see Brad Bill end up? You can say Detroit if you feel like that would work. 
No, nah, I don't want him. Kate Cunningham's going to be good enough. Um, where do I want to see him? I'm sort of similar to Tom in that I don't know where I really rate him. Like, obviously, his best is like 60-point games. Incredible, but is he going to be that asset to actually take a team there? I really want to see him at the Knicks. Like, that was my trade that I come up with earlier in summary. I'd like yeah. to see that just for the, the league in general. Tom, same for you. No, actually, I, I'm going to go... Just and just quickly, I want to see him on the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> just a little bit more star power there. And a quick trade that I came up with was just Rashad Holmes, Malik Monk, PJ Dozier, Davion Mitchell, and then pick twenty four, and then a twenty twenty five round one pick. And basically, Kings just get another guy who can score. The Kings do that. I think the Kings do that. Malik Monk's the tough one, but I think yeah, that's the only one where he was. He was the only one who was in their playoff rotation, really. Yeah, Yuri, uh, last thoughts and, and we'll wrap up. Yeah, Davion, um, Davion Mitchell as well. He's he's a pretty good defender for yeah. his size as well. That would be a loss too if that package decided, well, in terms of that potential package, not the saying it's already happen like, anyway. Yeah, the Kings do have like that really good offense. They're not so much focused on the strong defense. I mean, they've got DeMarta Sabonis. So maybe they lean into that a bit. That's an interesting point to uh, finish off this week's episode. Guys, we haven't even talked about it. Do you want to do a draft show? Should we do a draft show? The draft's on Friday. It snuck up on us. Yeah. I'm getting some nods. Okay, we'll figure yeah. out when we'll do a draft yeah. show on Friday. Maybe midweek, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll figure it out. Um, and we might get our COO of Mojo Sports, Ben McQueen, on. He's a bit of a draft head. So maybe that'll be the first appearance for Ben. Um, thanks again, guys. Jeez, I don't know how that went by 55 minutes so quick. It's always a bit of a bummer when we got to wrap up. But um, if you're still listening, one, thank you very much. But two, please consider uh, rating the show on wherever you get your podcasts. From myself, Yuri, Jack, and Tom, thank you very much. Uh, I guess we'll see you in a couple of days. Cheers, Alex. Great to be on as always. There you guys. Thanks, Alex. If you have stuck around to the end of the show, geez, what a legend, but also consider following us on Instagram at Mojo Sports Network and at Mojo Stateside. That draft episode coming next week. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, consider giving us a rating, but as always, have a great day.